0: Amen. Yeah, we got that working this morning. That uh, Bonnie put that together. Great job, Bonnie. Good job. You know, we all aspire to be great. Nobody aspires to be. I like that. You don't go to a football game and see people holding up the foam fingers to say we're number three, <laughs> do you? You know, we don't. We don't train for that. We don't train to come in second place. We don't train to come in third place. The Bible tells us we run, Bible, Paul tells us we run as if to gain the prize. We run to win. We play to win. And over the last few weeks, we talked about being a fan or a follower of Jesus. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about the good things that God has planned to, for us. How we aspire to greatness. See, there's greatness in each one of us. God made you to be great. Now, that doesn't mean that God made you necessarily to be the president of the United States. But there's some greatness inside of you that God's put in there that only you can accomplish certain things that God's given you to do. Only you. God has a specific plan for your life, and only you can accomplish that plan. So, we're gonna talk over the next few weeks what that looks like and what the benefits are of being a Christian. You know, I thought the other day as I was thinking through from that series to this one, I was thinking, you know, I always ask myself the question, why? You know, when I get up to preach a sermon, I ask myself this question, who cares if if I mention this today? Does what I'm saying today really matter, or am I just hearing myself talk? So it's good that I ask myself that question first, because then I know if it bores me, it's going to bore you. (laughs) So I make sure when I come up here that I've really prepared something I believe is going to bless your heart. Not only that, I believe the Word of God will change your life and your destiny, And so as we think about becoming great, becoming the people that God wants us to be to aspire to greatness, we need to understand why do we even want to be on this team? And there are benefits to being a child of God. And we're going to talk about some of those today. If you've got your Bibles, hold them up. All right. Repeat after me, say, This is my Bible. Bible. I am who it says I am. I am I am. I I can do what it says I can do. Today? I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Uh, I had a quick prayer request a few minutes ago. Um, Benji, one of the guys that works with Benji, was crushed this week by two big pipes. How big were those pipes, Benji? 8,000 pounds each, and he was crushed in those pipes, and he works with Benji. And right now they're telling us there's no internal damage. The foreman over the crew has been feeling a lot of guilt about that, but we're going to pray right now for him. We believe God's still in the healing business. Also, many of you have asked about Sandy Hewlin. Sandy left Friday night from the pajama party to go down. She is doing okay. She's down in Salem at the hospital, but we're going to pray for her as well, and hopefully she'll be out today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your healing power. And, Lord, we pray right now that you would touch Sandy's body, that her body would line up with your word. Because we know the word tells us that by your stripes we're healed. So, Father, we believe that. And, Lord, we speak to this young man that's been crushed by these pipes. We call him healed and healthy and whole. And, Lord, where there's tragedy, we call hope. We pray right now you would minister to him, touch his body, touch his family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I got a story uh, Anthony gave to me this week. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, this is a true story. Orville Smith is a store manager for Best Buy stores in Augusta, Georgia. You know, Best Buy is an electronics retailer. We have one over in Jonesboro, and he told police he had observed a male customer who came into the store and uh, with surveillance cameras, he was watching this guy. And this guy put a laptop, stole a laptop, and put it underneath his jacket. Went walking outside. When he was confronted, the man became irate. He knocked down an employee and drew a knife, okay, and he ran for the door. Outside on the sidewalk were four United States Marines who were doing toys for tots. (laughs) You know where this is going, don't you? (laughs) But it's pretty interesting. But what happened is the Marines stopped the man, but he stabbed one of the Marines, Corporate Philip Dugan, in the back. The injury did not appear to be severe. After police and an ambulance arrived on the scene, Corporal Dugan was transported for treatment. The subject, the the gentleman that stole the computer, was also transported to the local hospital with two broken arms, a broken ankle, a broken leg, several missing teeth, Possible broken ribs, multiple contusions, assorted lacerations, um, a broken nose, and a broken jaw. Now listen to this. These were injuries he sustained when he slipped and fell off to the curb after stabbing the marine. <laughs> that was a pretty good sized curb, wasn't it? <laughs> Oh, that was a bad decision. (laughs) Psalm 103, verses 1 through 4, says this in the New King James Version Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And he lists what these benefits are. Who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. What we were talking about, like I said, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be a fan or a follower of Jesus. But the question still needs to be answered, why do I wanna be on Jesus' team? I mean, why not be out in the world? There are benefits being a child of God. There are benefits. There are benefits. When you work for somebody, you usually say, what is my salary and what are my Benefits. benefits? Benefits are things that you typically get when you're part associated with an organization. Well, as a child of God, there are benefits that belong to you. But just like an employer or employee relationship, when you're a Christian, if you may know what your benefits are, some of you may not know what your benefits are. It's your responsibility as the employee to find out what your benefits are, it's also your responsibility as an employee to utilize those benefits. And it's the same as a Christian. Many people are saved, but they don't have a clue who they are in Christ. They don't know that they shouldn't walk around sick. They don't know that they shouldn't walk around depressed. They don't have any idea what the benefits of being a Christian are. They do understand that when they die, they're going to go to heaven. And many people, that's all they know. And they think that's it. Now, that's a huge benefit, isn't it? But we're also promised on earth. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but I've overcome the world. He's also said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And that means overflowing to the full. So we're going to talk a little bit today in this first week about the first benefit. But before we do that, we need to recognize that in the first couple of verses, he says, bless the Lord, bless his holy name, bless the Lord. Three times he talks about blessing the Lord. Now, we understand it says bless the Lord, but I, I, you know, I'm a southern boy, so I need things to be explained to me. I wanted to understand what bless means What what does the word blessing even mean And the definition of blessing is this To honor as holy to glorify So number one on your blanks is bless the Lord Bless the Lord So blessing means to honor as holy to glorify To honor as holy to glorify Blessing flows out of a thankful and a regenerated heart Listen to this Cursing flows out of an unregenerated heart. So blessing flows out of a regenerated heart. In other words, a heart that's been made new. Cursing flows out of a heart that has not been made new. We speak life or death over people and even our own lives with our tongue. We speak death or life over people with our tongue. Our tongue has the power to create. If you were coming to some of the Sunday night classes a while back, Tricia was talking about this: how that within each of us as a person, there's greatness. There's also the same creative power in our lives that God has. We have the power to create. And the primary way we operate that power is how? Through our tongue. How we speak. We must be careful how we speak. Proverbs eighteen twenty one in the New King James Version says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. What does that mean? Well, let me give you some practical explanations of what that means. Have you ever heard anybody said, well, I'm never gonna amount to anything. Have you heard them say that? Well, I'm never going to amount to anything. And guess what? They're usually not going to amount to anything. Why? Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Your tongue and your brain are attached. Sometimes you don't think they are, (laughs) but they usually are. And, And I want you to understand that I've heard people go, you know what? Flu season's coming and I'm going to get what's going to happen? Did you realize when you began to operate in that gift, when you began to use that creative power, your body, your your life lines up with the words that you say. I'm not gonna get that job. I'm not gonna do this, that, and the other thing. And you start speaking negatively over your life, and then you start speaking negatively over other people's lives. And the illustration I wanna use is the rudder of a ship. Paul talks about this. Have you ever seen a boat, big, huge ship, And you looked at the back of that ship and there was a rudder. And the rudder sometimes is only a small percentage of the size of the ship. The ship's huge. The rudders are small in comparison. But where does that ship go? Wherever that rudder points. Wherever that rudder guides that ship is where that ship goes. And the Apostle Paul tells us the same way your life goes by how your tongue speaks. Your tongue is your rudder. So, how you speak is going to dictate how you go. So, it's very important for us when we're reading about this, blessing the Lord. We're blessing the Lord with our actions, we're also blessing the Lord with our tongue. But however you speak is how things are going to go in your life. That is an extremely powerful thing. How do you know if a well has pure water in it? How do you know if a well has pure water in it? What do you have to do? You test it, you drink it, right? You test it. Is this water good or is this water bad? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. James chapter 3, verses 9 through 10 in the New King James says this With it, our tongue, our mouth, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men. Who have been made in the similitude of God. In other words, the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. And then he ends with this. He says, my brothers, it not ought to be this way. We, we bless people out of our mouth. God bless you, blah, whatever we say. And then we turn around and we curse them out of the same mouth. And then Paul says it shouldn't be that way. shouldn't be that way. And we have to recognize that out of the abundance of the heart, what's in here is going to come out of here. What's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And if I squeeze you hard enough, stuff's going to come out of your mouth. (laughs) The reality is, when, when you're under pressure, when things are going on in your life, if I want to know about somebody, all I have to do is spend a couple hours with them because sooner or later, what's in here is going to come out of here. I've heard people say, well, well, Pastor Chris, I'm just telling like it is. I said, well, if you're just telling like it is, you'll always have what you say. Sometimes we have to speak life into situations. We have to speak truth into situations. And if you're around a lot of negative people, it's because there's negative in their life and there's negative in their heart, and it's going to come out because that's the way God's made things. Whatever's in here is going to come out of here. Have you ever... uh, (laughs) well let me ask you this when people leave your presence how do they feel when people have spent time with you ask yourself this question when people have spent time with me when they walk away from me how do they feel what's come out of my mouth have you ever been around somebody and you felt like when you needed you needed to take a shower and wash off y'all know what i'm talking about you literally feel yucky can i say that word Yucky. You literally feel yucky. You're around them and there's so much negative coming out of their mouth. There's so much. You can only handle it. I sometimes have gone into meetings where I said, look, I can only handle this so long. I can only handle being around that so long. And it's just negative and it's negative. And the reason it's negative is because in here is negative and there's a heart problem. There's a heart problem. You know, what about you? Are you the kind of person that when people walk away from you, they're like, Lee, I need to go take a shower? <laughs> Think about that. This is a gut check for you. You know, if right now is, is what's coming out of your mouth blessing or cursing, and, and if cursing and negative is what's coming out of your mouth, and you, then you wonder why nobody wants to be around you. You go, man, I, nobody wants to be around me. Maybe the reason they don't want to be around you is because they don't have to take a shower, a spiritual shower every time they leave your presence. The other thing that I've noticed, and this isn't in your notes, is that like attracts like. Negative treat people attract other negative people. If you find, I tell the kids all the time when we're driving down the road, if you see one deer, there's more. Because when they're driving, I know if you see one deer, there's more. If you see one negative person, there's a covey of them around somewhere else. Okay, and so these people have these negative issues and they attract together and then they tell each other. And I've always thought it was interesting. Um, There are times that sometimes in churches there's negative people. Can y'all believe that? I know, hard to imagine. Not here, but in some places. You'll see that. But there'll be negative people. And sometimes these negative people decide they wanna get together and they wanna disguise their negativity by prayer. Well, we're gonna get together and have a little prayer meeting. And they get together and they're going to pray. And really this prayer meeting is a gossip session. Lord, we need to pray for sister so-and-so because did y'all know what she did? (laughs) Really? You think God's going to bless that? Here's a way to gut check yourself to see if you're negative. Would I say this if Jesus was standing beside me? Would I say these words if Jesus was standing beside me? And if the answer is no then you got a heart issue. You say, Pastor, I wish you'd be sweet. I am being sweet. I don't want you to be Nelly Nasty Mouth. <laughs> I want you to get your heart to the place where there's good coming out. And you go, well, how do I change that? Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the reality is right now what I want you to do, this is a self-check. This is right now you need to ask yourself this question, and it's very simple. When people leave my presence, do they have to take a spiritual shower? Because what's coming out of my mouth? Some of you go, man, I wish he'd move on, so I'm going to. But I'll come back. (laughs) So number two is, number two is, how can we bless the Lord? How can we bless the Lord? We glorify or worship God with our mouths, with our singing. We glorify God with our singing. And the big one is with our conduct. We glorify God by how we live. We bless him with our mouth, we worship him with our mouth, we worship him with singing, we bless him with singing, and we bless him with the way we live. There are people here today that come in, kind of get their their lives cleaned up for church, and then walk out the door and nothing has changed. You're not blessing God with the conduct of your life. We acknowledge God for who he is. When we're praying him, when we're praising him, we acknowledge him. We recognize God for who he is. Amen? Amen. And I put this down. He's the Mac Daddy of blessing. (laughs) He's the big kahuna of blessing. God is the Father of all blessing. God loves to give gifts to his kids. God is good because that is his nature. And when we come to him, we bless him. And we thank him and we praise him and we worship him for who he is. And the point is this. God is not only the author of worship, but his radiance inspires us and enables us to bring him the adoration do his name. So next time you're tired and you feel as though you have nothing to give to God in worship, know that you're right. Know that you're right. You don't have anything to give to God. There's nothing we can bring him that he hasn't given us first. When we're worshiping God, we're just praising him out of the abundance of our heart. We're praising him for that. Let me give you an illustration. How many of you have ever been to a, a work, an office Christmas party before? And, and you want to get the boss something good, right? You know, if you like them. You know, you want to get them something good. But the hard thing is maybe that person is the person that has everything. They've got everything. And so you're trying to figure out what you can give them that's going to mean something to them. I want you to understand something. I've learned this in my own life. Your boss doesn't necessarily want something expensive. They want something they like. And sometimes what they like is just kind words. Sometimes what they like it's just, man, you've really meant a lot to me. Sometimes it's a simple thing that you buy them something that says, hey, when I think of you, this thing reminds me, or whatever. Sometimes it's something that's simple. And it has been said that life is God's gift to us. But listen to this. What we do with our life is our gift to him. We bless God with how we live. And it blesses him back so much. Number three is bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And I wanted to know, since I wanted to know what blessing was, I also wanted to know what a soul is. I felt like I need to understand what this is. We sing about it. We talk about it. But what does it mean? Well, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul is who you are. Webster's definition is total self. Total self. Total self. Who you are, all gathered together, is your soul. That's who you are. I want you to understand something. When he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, in other words, what he's saying is, Bless the Lord, everything that's in me, everything that's in me, bless God. And the good news is, you don't have to feel like blessing or worshiping God to bless him. Blessing God and worshiping God is not about your emotions. Isn't that good? You don't have to feel like blessing God. Well, I don't feel like raising my hands today. I don't feel like clapping today. I don't feel like singing today. Here's the good news. You don't have to feel that way to do it. You bless God for who he is, not how you feel. Sometimes worship is a sacrifice. Sometimes worship is a sacrifice. One of the scriptures says we bring a sacrifice of praise to God. Sometimes you praise him when you don't want to, and I want to encourage you today. Sometimes the best praise and worship times you're going to have with God is when you worship him in the midst of your pain. When you're struggling and when you're suffering and you feel like you have nothing to bless God about, you feel like you have nothing to praise him about, those are the times you dig deep and you say, God, I'm just going to bless you anyway. I know that you're God. This situation looks horrible. I can't believe these people did this to me. I can't believe this is going on. But Father, I know that you're God and I bless you anyway. That blesses the heart of God. So verse four, now that we've determined and we understand what blessing is and that we use our mouth and we need to check ourselves and see where our mouth is, we've got to, number four, forget not all of his benefits. Now we're gonna start getting into what are the benefits? of being a Christian. And I, and I told you earlier, there has to be a who cares test. Why does it matter? Why do I want to be part of the kingdom of God? Well, this is why we want to be the part of the kingdom of God. How do we not forget what God has done for us? Deuteronomy 6.12 says this, Beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. He said, Beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Everyone in here who's a believer today can look back on their life and realize, remember the day that they gave their heart to Jesus and that salvation poured in and they knew they were forgiven for all their sins. I can remember where I was the day that happened to me. But over time, as people, we just, we're people, we tend to forget. We tend to forget, and what I'm learning as I get older, I forget more often. <laughs> Where did I put, I can't even remember my car keys half the time. And it's so easy for us to forget. Well, Moses and, and God knew that back in the day, Abraham, they knew that people were going to forget. So what they would do whenever somebody or God moved in their life, something amazing happened, they would build an altar. And when they built this altar, the altar was a place where they remembered something that God had done. They remembered something that God had done. I want to share with you something real quick. Last Sunday, we announced that, that as a church, and I want this to be clear for everybody, as a church, 10% of our budget goes to missions. Some of those missions, 50% of that 10%, half, goes towards local missions. Backpack outreach, the honor field, these other things. The other 50% goes to missions. And, and missions are around the country, around the world. So 5% of our total overall budget goes to missions around the world. And, and as we announced last Sunday that we as a church are going to step up and we're going to build a church in Africa... We're going to build a church in Africa. Isn't that awesome? We're going to build a church in Africa. And since I've been here, this is the first time and I think I'm going to go, which is going to be great. I'm going to learn how to go. And all that African, whatever, however they talk. i got to figure that out because that would be pretty exciting. How many of you all don't want to go with me because there's no telling what I'll say? Amen? (laughs) She tastes like chicken. That might be what I said. I don't know. But here's what's happened. Do you remember last Sunday that when I said, when you get on the same page with God, when you find out your place in the kingdom and you begin to run that route, the ball's gonna be there. You remember that? Remember that? In other words, when you find out what God's doing and you get involved in it, God's gonna bless that. Well, let me tell you what's happened within the last week. Sunday after service, and I'm not sure if this lady's here or not, I was approached by a lady that That had been here one other time before. She was a visitor. She said, Pastor, my family and I want to help with this church in Africa. And she gave me a check for $5,000. $5,000. Give God a hand. So now we got to build two churches in Africa. Right? So I'm already thinking I'm excited. You know, God's moving, God's doing. Well, it gets even better. I get a phone call last night about nine o'clock from Donald and Britton. Brittnell. Y'all stand up real quick. I'm gonna embarrass you. All right, y'all can sit back down. <laughs> Donald called me last night and said, Ron and I have been praying. We wanna build a church in Africa. They gave me a five thousand dollar check this morning. I want you to understand something. When you get on the same page with what God is doing, he's going to bless your life. And some of you are going, I don't know if this God's thing is real. Hello? God is moving. And I want you to understand, we're as committed locally, we're gonna continue and do more locally, but we're gonna do stuff overseas. And here's the other cool thing about it. Not only are we going to pay for churches to be built, we're going to send you over there to do some of it. Some of you that want to. You're going to be, we're going to have opportunities to send teams over to Africa, and you're going to get to build a church that people's lives are going to get changed in. How cool is that? So we talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus. We mean it around here. But how does that relate to you? These churches, these different things that we're doing, are bu- are, we're building altars to thank God for what he's done. And we don't worship the altar. We don't worship the altar. We worship what God's done. We use altars to remind us of what God's done in our lives. And that's why we do that. Not to worship the altar. We worship God who made it happen. Amen? So how in your life do you, you're blessing God and you're worshiping him. How does it help us. It helps us remember what God's done in our lives. There's three little points I want to show you. Here are three keys to not forgetting what God's benefits are in your life. Number one is this. Remember what God has done in the past. When you begin to go through hard times, remember the times that God saved you. Remember the times that God stepped in and helped you. Remember the healing that came. Maybe the healing came to you. Maybe it came to somebody else. But remember what God's done. Because God's given each of us story. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb what Jesus has done and the word of our testimony. Let me tell you something. You may argue scripture all day long. We may argue about when the revelation's going to happen and all these other. There's all these things you can argue about. But I want you to understand something. The one thing you can never argue about with me is my salvation. You can't argue with me about my salvation. You know Why? I was there. I was there. And there are things that happen in your life where God moved, and you saw God move, and you need to remember those things. When it gets tough, you remember what God has done. Here's the second blank. Remember what he's doing now, what we just announced. God's doing stuff right now. He's doing stuff today. He's making stuff happen. Some of you are saying, well, I can't give $5,000. Maybe, maybe you can't do that, but what you can do is give your heart. And I want to tell you something. It's not about how much you give. It's what you give, and what you give is the best you have. And if the best you have is you, then you throw yourself in the plate. You know, next Sunday, it would be hilarious. If I, I'm visual. I can see the deacons walking around and handing out the offering things, and somebody's trying to crawl in the offering deal. <laughs> God, I don't have anything else, but you can have me. Let me tell you, that blesses the heart of God. Because he will take that, and he'll make your life into something you could never imagine. It'll be beyond your wildest dreams. And you know why I know that? Because he's done it in my life. We're not talking about some theory that doesn't work. We're talking about the reality of the presence of God and the reality of God in your life. He's real. He loves you. Jesus died for you, and he's moving now. God is moving now. The other thing we need to do is bring back to remembrance what he is going to do. We have to remember what he's going to do. This week, I received a phone call that a gentleman, young man, relatively young man, had passed away this week. Had a heart attack. And Rob Driesel, I was walking into the school. And Rob was walking out with this young girl about 13 years old, walking out with her. And Rob said, hey, call me in about 20 minutes. He was escorting that girl to the church so they could tell her her father had passed away. I saw that. We don't have forever, y'all. And some of you keep waiting for something to happen in your life. Well, when this happens, I'll give this to God. When this happens, let me tell you something. You don't know if you have tomorrow. I don't know if I have tomorrow. But what I do know I have is I have God. And if you're waiting for a wake-up call, this is it. Well, once I do this, I'll give my life to God. Well, once I do this, I'll turn around. Once I do, let me tell you something. You don't know if this is gonna happen. You don't know what's gonna happen out in the parking lot today. Jesus said, Jesus said, don't be a fool because today your life could be called for you and you're gonna stand before God. If you're waiting to get involved, jump in. If you're waiting to surrender your heart, jump in. Because here's the truth. And I haven't thought about this much in my life. To be honest with you, I really haven't. I don't think about heaven that much. You know, I'm so busy with what we've got going on here, I really don't sit back and think about heaven a lot. But the truth is, one of these days, it's really going to matter. And one of these days, Jesus paid that price so that we could go to heaven and be with him forever. And that is the blessed hope that we have, and that is the truth. We have to remember what he's doing now, but we have to remember that he's paid the price in the future so that you could be free and live forever because the alternative is an eternity in hell, and that is real too. But we don't have to wait. Today is your day. So here's the first benefit that we're going to talk about today, and then next week I'll continue. Here's the first benefit. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all of me, and forget not all of his benefits. And here's number one. Who forgives all your iniquities. Number one. The number one benefit of being a Christian, the number one benefit of being a child of God, is that he forgives all your iniquities. And iniquities is a big word for sin. He forgives all of your sin. And all means all. Every bit of it. I looked up the definition of iniquity. I was doing a lot of reading this week in Webster's Dictionary. (laughs) Iniquity means this, twisted perversion or a wicked actor thing. Sounds bad, doesn't it? It's because it is. A wicked act, perversion, wrongness. He forgives all your iniquities, number one. No matter what you've done, God forgives that. That is an amazing benefit. He forgives everything. Some of us, many of us feel guilty and we live in our past mistakes and our hurt. And we need to understand that we are forgiven. We are forgiven. Romans 8.1 says this. There is therefore now no condemnation. And yet some of us live like there is therefore now a little bit of condemnation. Well, God, I know you can forgive me for everything except for this thing. And you know what? He's either Lord of all or Lord of nothing. He either forgives all or forgives nothing. And the reality is if you're holding on to that sin, it's because you're holding on to that sin. Jesus has already forgiven it. You need to let it go. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. When you're forgiven, it's complete. And there's no condemnation. God is not waiting for you to get get to heaven and he's gonna bring up a list list of things you've done wrong. You're forgiven. That's an amazing, amazing benefit. Romans 5, verse twenty through 21 says this, Moreover, the law entered the world that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Where sin abounds, grace is more. Sin can never outrun grace. Sin can never outrun grace. Have you ever chased a dog? Anybody? Isn't it amazing to you, especially big dogs, how they seem to know when you're just about to catch them? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're running along, and you're like, "Ah, I'm about to catch, I'm, I'm, and you reach over, and the dog goes, you know? But not far enough away where he's gone. Far enough away to make you, you know? And so you speed up a little bit more, and you start getting close again, and the dog goes, and if you notice, their rear end dips when they do that. You know what I'm talking about. Brr. I'm going to try that next time I run. Brr. And see if I can probably just throw out my back or something. <laughs> what that means is, that's grace. You start thinking you're catching grace. Oh, my sin's going to pass grace up. Brr. You'll never forget that, will you? <laughs> that wasn't even my notes. <laughs> You can't outrun grace. You can't. Some of you are trying. Well, I'm going to just be bad, badder and badder and worser and worser. The only thing you're going to do is destroy your life. But you can't outrun grace. His grace is enough. God's grace is enough. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I I wouldn't be a good pastor if I wasn't telling you that, that you've got a decision to make. Some of you are living in the past. Some of you are trying to out- outrun grace and you can't. Some of you are holding on to things that you don't need to hold on anymore. And the number one benefit, the number one good thing, the number one benefit of being a Christian is that your iniquities, your sins are forgiven. The Bible tells us that God throws our sin away as far as the, the east is from the west and they never meet. The other scripture also tells us that he takes those sins and he drops them into the sea of forgetfulness and he remembers them no more it's gone. It's gone. Isn't that awesome? Now, with that being the news that's there, why wouldn't we tell other people that that's available to them? Because you can walk out right now, you can go down to Walmart, you can go over to Alco, you can be walking down the aisles, and you can physically see people bent over by sin. I can do I I can do that right now. I can walk down there. I can sit at McDonald's and watch people, and I can tell you who's burdened with sin by how they carry themselves, because sin will manifest itself physically, and they're the ones doing this. Bent over, broken. So, what does God call us to do? Be His hands and feet. Do what Lisa did listen, and you think, well, how can I, how can I, Lisa, how much evangelism training have you had? None. <laughs> None. That's what I'm talking about. You <laughs> Y'all better watch out. I can't do that again. I wish I could, because that'd be awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You're trying to shock me, Marty. Is that what's going on? (laughs) The reality is you just have to be available. Be available. If you're redeemed, if you are a child of God, you need to be reaching out and reaching into the pit of hell and pulling people back in. And I want to tell you something. There is really nothing more rewarding than seeing people get their lives turned around. There are people here today that I've watched over the last few months, and their life is totally different than it was before. I have people that have come into my office for marriage counseling, and God's turned their relationship around, and they've allowed God to become the center of their life, and now they have an amazing marriage, and their kids are doing good. I have different, all these different people that I get to watch when I'm looking out at you. I know your stories, and I see what God's doing. There's thousands more out there that need that, and where to go and to bring them in here and help them become those people. And I can just see this 13 acres, Thirteen acres, right? How many do we have? Huh? 11 acres. I should know this. <laughs> we got all this property out here that we can expand and build and, and bring places in where people can come in and get healed and whole. And get to go out and do that for their families. I see it. I see it. And he's going to use you to do that. What an amazing thing. You know where it starts? Right here. So I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. If what's coming out of here represents what's going on in here, then today's your day. Today. Get it right. He forgives all your sins. When, we, when I'm going to have the altar call in a minute, if that's you, then you just come down to the front. You come down to the front and you pray. And you get your heart right with God today. Because he wants to make your life amazing. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this place, and I thank you for these people, and I thank you for the opportunity for all of us to be here today. Lord, I thank you that when we look at your benefits, your first benefit is you forgive all of our iniquities. You forgive all of our sin. You make us brand new, as if we'd never sinned, and that's available to us as children of God. Father, I know that there are people here today that are struggling. Right now, their words, what they're talking about, Represents their heart and their hearts aren't right for you. And Father, this is an opportunity today for us to get our hearts right. So, Lord, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, and this is how I'm going to do this today, whether you're, you may not be saved today. If you're not saved and you want to invite Jesus to be your Lord, just get out and come down. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm a Christian, but my heart's messed up, the words that are coming out of my mouth are not good. My heart's not where it needs to be. Just get out and come down to the altar. One of his other benefits is that he heals all your diseases. And if you're here today and you're struggling in your physical body, there's something going on in your life, just come down to the altar. This is your time. So for any of these things, whatever you're dealing with, whatever's going on in your life today, the altars are open to you. Jesus is here. God is here. And he wants to meet you at the point of your need. He loves you. And he's got a plan for you. And he's not mad at you. God wants to touch your heart. And the amazing thing is he can because he is real. If The prayer partners will come forward. I appreciate that. And I want you to examine your heart today. If you're sitting out there, no talking to each other, no looking around, this is between you and God. Say, Lord, does my heart match up with what's coming out of my mouth? And if today you look at your heart and it doesn't match up, then today is your day to get that right with God. If you're struggling with something in your body, come down. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe God's going to heal you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's just stay in an attitude of prayer. We're going to leave the altars open for a few minutes. We're not in a hurry. We're not in a hurry. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you're sitting out there today and you've checked your heart, say, man, pastor, I'm I'm where I need to be with God. Then I want you to be praying for those that are down here. Pray for those that are around you today. Let's stand and sing this together. You love me. At the cross I bow my knee. Where your blood was shed for me. There's no greater love than this. You have overcome the grave. Your glory fills the highest place. What can separate me? In this morning, church, Father, we just thank you for freedom, Lord. We thank you that your word says you forgive all of our iniquities, Lord. We receive that today, and we thank you, we bless you for paying the price so that we could be free, Lord. Help us to walk in that fullness of life, Lord. Help us to be your hands and feet to others in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, as we prepare to leave today, we're going to do something a little different. Um, I was told the next Sunday or Saturday the kids are going to this fun arts thing and uh, in order for them to get there on time they would have to leave at 3 in the morning on Friday night Saturday morning which is a bad idea (laughs) so um, what I want to do is the ushers are going to be at the back and as you walk out if you want to give we need to raise about $700 for them don't feel obligated we're not trying to fleece you if you feel like you want to give something, do that. But we're going to try to pay for their rooms and stuff. So as you're leaving today, the guys will be standing at the doors. If you want to drop something in there, that'd be great. God bless you as you go. Father, keep your hand on our folks. Lord, I pray that you would use them this week. Give us eyes to see those around us that are hurting. Lord, help us to reach people in your name. Amen. God bless you. And go cowboys. <laughs>